I know you have a lot to share with us, but I wanted to just present you with a very, very small little thing. It seems like such a small little thing, but it's been transformative in my own life. And it comes out of us starting that time in 2010. When we went there, the country of Liberia was still recovering from civil war, still are recovering from civil war. But one of the things that was very clear right then and there was, and obviously at that time, Michelle, we had not met you yet, but we were eating all kinds of weird food with him and, <laughs> and having weird experiences. And, um, but it was very obvious that your ministry was trying to rewrite a narrative, trying to undo a lot of suffering and pain and, and the people we met there that were trying to do that, committed to the kingdom. So this is just a small thing. <coughs> this is the shell casing of a bullet recovered from the Liberian Civil War. And it was formed into the shape of a cross, representing the very work that you're doing. And so we just want to give this to you to remember that we are grateful to God for how he has used you to undo horrors of a broken world and country. And in the middle of that brought the peace and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. So you're doing that for the glory of God. We're doing it with you for the glory of God. And we are just so glad you're here today. And once again, we love you and we appreciate you, okay? Yeah. All right, listen. It's your time now. All right. We're out of here. All right. Love you, man. You. Sorry about that. I apologize. I've had like a little coughing attack and right before I was supposed to come up and speak, so if my voice is a little hoarse, it's because I've got a little tickle. So anyway, all's well. <laughs> it is really, really good to be back with you again and to see all your faces and to just uh, be able to share with you this morning just a little bit about our family and our family's missionary journey uh, before Tim comes to speak with us this morning. And um, our family started off in 1997 when we took our four little kids to Nairobi, Kenya, to start the work of Nazarene Mission Aviation for the Church of the Nazarene. Tim was a pilot, and our church had airplanes for the first time, and Tim went to start flying for the church. And God gave us six wonderful years in Nairobi, Kenya. And at that point, we came back to the U.S. Tim had a calling on his life to, um, to retool at that point, and he was working towards getting his ordination and he was working on a master's in Christian education. And so we came back and we served in, in Moscow, Idaho for three years. And at that point, uh, we thought we would go back to East Africa, but the Lord sent us to West Africa. And this time we went with three of our children because our oldest had graduated from high school and was remaining behind in university. And so we returned with three of our children to Dakar, Senegal, where we served for 12 years. And as Pastor Jeff has mentioned, that's where we were introduced to many of you. And God gave us 11 wonderful years there. And honestly, we would have spent many more years there had Dr. Chombo, our then regional director, asked us if we would move down to South Africa to work, at the regional, work out of the regional offices. And so after much prayer, we decided, yes, that was the way the Lord was leading we had the blessing of the, the people in our church in West Africa who said, don't worry, you're not changing houses, you're just switching rooms. And we said, okay, all right. We received their blessing and off we went to, down to South Africa. And for the last four years, we've worked out of our regional offices in South Africa. This time, we took none of our kids with us because over the years, all of them had graduated from high school and gone off to school. And so now we have four adult children, three of whom are married, and we have four grandchildren, all in the United States. And so our yes to the Lord back 20-some years ago was a very easy yes for us to go and serve him across, to take our four children and to go across the ocean and to serve the Lord wherever he called. We still say yes today to go and serve him. It's a little bit harder sometimes to say yes when those heartstrings get tugged and our kids and our grandkids are here, and yet I wouldn't want to be anywhere else than where the Lord has asked us to serve him. Being in the center of his will is the best place to be, no matter where in the world that is. And in South Africa, we have this word in the Zulu language. It's, it's called Ubuntu. 
And it's this great word that means I am because you are. It's just this great word that means we're better together. And that as God has called each of us to different parts of ministry, we're better when we work together to accomplish what he's called us to do. So this morning, we're here to also say thank you to you. Thank you for doing what God's called you to do. Thank you for giving to World Evangelism Fund through the Thanksgiving offering and Easter offering, through Faith Promise in different ways, through going yourself on work and witness trips, through volunteering. And because you do what God's called you to do, we can do what God's called us to do. And so we're here this morning to say thank you. Thank you for for working together as we spread the gospel around the world. And we want to show you a video this morning. Tim works with the Jesus Film, and I work with our missionaries um, across the continent of Africa. We have 91 missionaries serving from 21 different countries on the Africa region, and that's who I get to work with. And Tim works with Jesus Film and Evangelism, and we want to show you what a great tool the Jesus Film still is today and, and how it's still changing lives. Casting was so wicked and you used to do bad, bad things and you get play around his children, even his horse, because of his savage behavior. He always show ugly side and make me not to come close to him, make me to be afraid of him as a boss. this guy and his name was Jackson. We talked with Jackson, we told him the Bible story and then we invited him in the evening for the film showing. When the time came for auto call, Jackson woke up from the seat and he took the mark and he had this to his head. in the whole community and everybody was shocked. Jackson accepted Jesus Christ that day and he attended all of the follow-up classes. The following Sunday, while worshiping under a tree, Jackson King, he asked the congregation to pray for him. Jackson King with a testimony after a few Sundays passed, and this is what he said, rejoicing in his heart. He was no longer the old Jackson. He became a very new person in Christ. A sudden change in his life uh, was witnessed by all of us. Suddenly, a house turned into a church edifice. We saw people coming, worshiping, uh, and the change was dramatic. And he began to evangelize in the community. He pays back our actual money, our actual salaries. We saw Jackson sacrificing, making sure that he sold to the kingdom of God. Almost everyone that attended Jackson's funeral testified of his good work. Strictly even up to the time of sickness, he was still confessing that his life is in Jesus Christ. I want to worship with the church that Jackson is worshiping now. And I want to be with the church 
and my life too can be a change. I want to change, be a change person like Jackson. Praise the Lord. It's so good to see that the Lord still is at work changing lives everywhere in this world. And our prayer is that we as a believers, as children of God, would just continue to serve the Lord wherever he calls us. Amen. That he is the one who guides us. And uh, I'm so grateful to have a chance to be here with you today, uh, to spend time uh, in Nashua, uh, reacquainting ourselves with friends here, and uh, just uh, letting you know that we are on the journey together, amen? God is still at work, and he calls each one of us um, to be a part of his mission, and I hope this morning as I share a little bit that you will feel that, that God is calling you to be in mission with him, amen? In a massive city of Abidjan, Cote d'Ivoire, there are sections of town that are not really desirable. They would be considered like the slums of the city, places where people end up if they don't have jobs or enough money to live like others. It's a place where young boys have been abandoned by their families or they themselves have run away from home and, and now they live on the streets. These boys live off the scraps. They beg for food, they fight, they steal, they drink, they do drugs, and they survive by sheer instinct. And in this population of the city, they consider these young boys like a plague on the society. And they call them le microbe, which basically in French means microbe, or not much more value than, than something that's infected that which is good. You can imagine that they are, are looked beyond, they are, uh, they are feared, they are forgotten, uh, they are rejected. They have no value in the eyes of the people of that city. But on the edge of this section of town, there is a Nazarene church called Andequa. And there, a church, a clinic, a district education center... It is providing light in the darkness of that part of the city. A lady by the name of Christelle Bocina is a person who understands that, that we, are, we are not just here uh, to simply enjoy God's blessings, but, but, but God calls us to go and to leave our comfort and go and offer grace where grace is needed most. Amen? She and her team have been on the move to try and make an impact. Imagine when COVID came, it's, it's impacted the entire world. And some of the places that have suffered the most is the, the, the cities of Africa. In those urban settings, when people were forced into isolation and the street vendors could no longer be on the streets and buy and sell, some of the greatest affected were those who lived off the scraps of life. For those who, who interacted and that was the place where they somehow survived. The city changed and many were left with no means and no way to even find the scraps that they lived on. And so into these streets, Christel marched with a, a mission. The lay people of the church... They gather together and with the arm of, of Compassionate Ministries, which is part of the Nazarene World Evangelism Fund and is part of our church and the, and the way that we impact the world, they went out and they began to make an impact in the lives of these boys. For the first time, many of them found someone who would look at them in the face and say, I love you and Jesus loves you. And as they were... Involved, Christelle and her husband Serge gave of their time and their own funds to be Jesus to take care of these young boys. 
They began to organize regular training and discipleship. Many of these boys prayed through and gave their lives to Christ. And Serge was able to find a company that, that helped guys like Ibrahim, who was able to learn how to drive. And for the first time, he had a job. And he was valued in society. And they worked with these boys, and, and they pulled together. They bought them soccer jerseys. Uh, football is the, the main game in Africa. And so the neighborhoods would compete. And now these boys became a team. They belonged to a family, to a family of God. Amen? And as they would compete and as they would begin to transform, it, we see that, that both Christelle and Serge understand what it means to be on mission with God. I ask you this morning, do you know your community and are you making an impact in this community as a church? A lot of times as I travel across Africa and I'm, I'm doing uh, seminars, helping guys do training on how do we plant new churches and I ask this question, if tomorrow a bulldozer came and just mowed your church down and it was gone, would anybody in your community actually miss you? If, if they wouldn't even miss you, then you probably are not making an impact in the community. And, and we look at ourselves and we, we say, how do we remain in mission with God? And Jesus calls his 12 disciples and he calls them and he says to them, he sends them out two by two in Mark chapter 6, verse 7 to 11. He says these words. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except the staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. And wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. And whenever you, when you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. What a, what a sense of urgency that there is in these words of Jesus, right? He's telling us, no time to waste. Go with what you have. Don't worry about the results. That's, that's my job. And he's, he's just telling them, go. And, and, and God will take care of the rest. And so the disciples went out and they began to engage with the, with the people. And they began to interact and when they came back they were tired and and Jesus saw that they were that they needed some time to rest and so he took them by boat to a quiet place but unfortunately the crowd saw where they were going and so he they went around and they found the disciples on the other side of the lake and as they got out of the boat Jesus saw them and he says these words that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began teaching them many new things. You know, the crowds of today and the crowds in Jesus' day were the same. They are people who are lost. People who need some direction, who need encouragement. And, and as Jesus had compassion, the disciples had concern. You know, they said, Jesus, it's getting late this this is a lonely place. Send these people away. Send them back home. We, we don't know what to do with all these people. <laughs> you know, today we would like to think that we are more like Jesus than the disciples. But if we were truthful, we are kind of like those disciples. You know, send them away. Surely somebody else can take care of these people. And, and our tendency is, is to just want to stay in, in this fellowship with Jesus but Jesus has keeps calling us to go into, out of our comfort zone and find the people in need and help them to see Jesus. And so Jesus does an amazing miracle at this time. He, he takes what they have, which is just two fish and five loaves, and the word says that he feeds a crowd of 5,000 people. And that was just the men, not counting the children and the and the women and the and and in this crowd of which is mostly Israelites, mostly people that are part of the the called people. Not only do they feed five thousand, but he sends his disciples out to catch up the 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 leftovers. And you know how many baskets they came back with? Twelve baskets. 
It was as if Jesus was saying, you see, my grace is sufficient not only for you and for all of these people, but I have enough for the 12 tribes of Israel. 12 baskets full. My grace is sufficient for everyone. And Jesus was, was calling them to, to get out of their comfort zone. And, and, he, and he says to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And do you not say there are four months and then comes the harvest? But behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are white for harvest. You see, Jesus was always thinking about the mission. How can we go and make a difference? And so while the disciples are still kind of uh, part of this team that has fed 5,000, I'm sure they were giving each other high fives and saying, hey, we are part of the, the crowd feeding team. You know, they're excited. And Jesus says immediately, go to the other side of the lake. Now, when you hear those words, you may not fully understand what he was saying, but he was saying, leave your comfort zone of the Israelites and go to the seven nations of the Canaanites on the other side of the lake. And the disciples have been there before. Do you remember? They crossed over and in the middle of the lake, Jesus was asleep in the boat. A, a, a storm came up so bad that fishermen woke up Jesus and said, don't you care? We're about to die. And Jesus brings calm to the storm and then they end up on the other side and there's no people, there are no crowds. The only person that shows up is a man full of demons running naked out of a cemetery. And Jesus says something kind of funny because he says, you know, look at that. This is our guy. And the disciples are kind of looking at this as like, no way. And Jesus heals the, the man with so many demons. They, they run into the pigs and go off into the water. And, and the people of that whole area, of that, that heathen nations, look at Jesus and they see his power and they say, go away, go away, Jesus. There's only one disciple now is this one guy who was healed in all of that nations. And he wants to join the team. And Jesus says, no. Go back and to tell everyone what God has done for you. And the disciples returned to the safe side. They were afraid to go to that side. That was the, the, the pig eating side. That was the side that if you went there and you came back, you had to go through an entire ceremony just to get back in the temple. This was not the place that you want to go. And here's Jesus saying again, right after he has had them uh, uh, feeding the 5,000, he said, let's go to the other side. And he's telling him, basically, I want you to leave your comfort zone. I want you to go to the other side. And I want you to help show faith, love, and hope to the people who have, no, have not heard the good message. So Jesus puts him in a boat. He says, by the way, I'm not going with you this time. <laughs> and I'm sure that those, those guys were just thinking, what is Jesus thinking? We should be celebrating the leftovers. And he's sending us to the other side. And Jesus goes to the mountain to pray. And as he's watching his disciples, they're rowing. And in the middle of the night, the third watch of the hour of night, Jesus comes walking on the water. And you can imagine these guys in a boat, they see what appears to be Jesus. They're going to the bad side, the side that, that already they were not wanting to go. Bad things happen there and suddenly a ghost appears. And they say, Jesus, if that's you, tell us and we'll come and join you. But I don't think anybody was really ready to get out of the boat except Peter. I always love Peter. What was he thinking? He gets out of the boat. Jesus... Jesus meets them there and he says to them, do not be afraid, it is I. And they find themselves again on the other side. But this time there was a difference. That disciple who had gone and told everyone about Jesus, now there were crowds coming. And for three days, 4,000 people came to hear Jesus speak. And hear him, uh, see him heal them. And, and they're in the, this same scenario. And Jesus says to the disciples, we need to feed them. 
And again, Jesus has compassion and the disciples have concern. They're like, we can't do this. It'll take eight months of wages before we could feed this many people. And Jesus tells them again. He says, what do you have? They say, we have seven loaves. And again, Jesus does a, an amazing miracle and he feeds more than 4,000 people. And then he sends his disciples back out to collect, the, to collect the, the baskets. And guess what they come back with? Seven baskets. And when they're going back across the lake, they're talking about what's about the bread of life. And, and, and the disciples are arguing. Somebody forgot the bread. And Jesus says to them, do you not understand? Be careful of the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees. What he's saying is be careful of this kind of religious idea that God is only for us in our comfortable place because God is calling us to other places. And he says, after I fed 5,000, how many did, baskets did we collect? The disciples say 12. And after I fed the 4,000, how many baskets did I collect? He says seven. And he says, don't you get it? You know, the scripture just stops there. <laughs> and for many years, I like, yep, uh, nope, I don't get it. He just left us hanging, you know, no response. But this last year, as we've been dwelling on what the word says, it's opened up a new, a new mind to me, and someone shared this with me. It says, you know what Jesus was saying in that moment was, not only do I have enough for the 12 tribes of Israel, but my grace is sufficient also for the seven nations of the Canaanites. What Jesus was saying is, this side... And that side, they're all my side. Amen? Oh, the God of the universe is telling you and me this morning that, that we need to be about the mission of God. And sometimes that means we have to get out of our comfort zone. Sometimes we have to cross over into the other side. And we have to go to places where people don't understand the same words as we are saying, there's someone that's calling us to go out of our comfort zone, across our neighbor, across the street, across the city, across the nation, wherever he's calling us, we must go to the other side. And I'm, I'm here to share with you today that this understanding of what God is doing and what God is calling to us to do is, is prevalent in Africa. And I, I praise God that I work alongside many pastors and leaders and young people and women of the church who say to themselves, let's go to the other side and see what we can do to share the love of Christ with others. Amen? And we are part of this. Every dot that you see up there on the screen is a church of the Nazarene in Africa. Today, we have approximately... Uh, 5,000 churches, 4,678 organized. That doesn't count all those churches that are meeting under trees and, and in schoolrooms and are, are, are what we call preaching points. There's probably a couple thousand of those. We have close to 800,000 members in the Church of the Nazarene in Africa. That means that one out of every three Nazarenes in the world lives in Africa today. That's one-third of our entire church population. I say praise God that God is still at work and that as we travel into the 42 countries out of 54 countries in Africa and I have this privilege as well as this this kind of overwhelming thought that I that I'm in, uh, I'm trying to encourage 320 Jesus film teams in over 32 countries that are every week crossing over to the other side to the other neighborhood to the next village, sharing the love of Jesus with others. And you are part of that mission as a body of believers called the Nazarenes. We are, we are all part of that. And, and I praise God that he continues to, to guide us. In this year of 2020, even in the midst of the pandemic, we added 20,000 members to the Church of the Nazarene during 2020. I say praise God. He has continued and today, with our technology, we can show the Jesus film. One guy on a motorcycle with a backpack can share Jesus with village after village. The projector's about the size of my hand. Um, the SD card that you put in there is about the size of my thumbnail. It can have 8 or even 16 gig of information. So you can put multiple languages 
And the whole thing is recharged by solar panel. So a pastor can go from village to village, even if there's no electricity, and he can show the Jesus film in the local heart language of the people in multiple places. And God is continuing to work and he is helping us to plant churches in some of the most difficult areas. Let me just share one or two of those stories. As I think about northern Benin, it is, it is a place where, where God has called us. It's, it's mostly a Muslim country of 70% Muslim. And, and we, we look at Benin and we look at pastors like Reverend Moise Tumudagu, who is a natural evangelist and and he's gathered with him a whole team of, of leaders who are committed to going and sharing the love of Christ. Northern Benin is, is part of what we call the Sahel. And the Sahel is this area that kind of goes across the middle of Africa. Its northern part is like completely sand and, and desert. But then eventually you start getting rains and you have a little bit of growth in those areas where you can find green trees and leaves. And if you look at a topographical map, it almost looks like a shoreline. That's what Sahel means. And in, there, in those locations where there has mostly been the influence of Islam from, from hundreds of years of traders who came uh, on camels and, and they brought their religion and a lot of people became um, traditionally Islamic because of that. And these are places where there were no churches. There was no influence of the church. But the church in Benin said, let's go where the church is not. And they began to just trust God that if they took the message of Jesus into these places, that God would respond. And we praise God today because there have been miracles. I could tell you story after story of how God has dramatically changed those areas. In the northern part of Benin today, there are provinces, there's not a single province in Benin that doesn't have a church of the Nazarene. And that's because our people have understood what it means to go to the other side. And when we talk about that, we're not just talking about our, our religious beliefs, not only we're talking about spiritual nurture, but we also are looking at what can we do to improve the lives of those that we find and we share the good news with. In many of those places, there's not a good education program. So the churches become schools in the week and places of worship on the weekend. But many of them, you know, education costs something. So how do you fund an entire education system if you don't really have a lot of money? And so they began to look at their own culture. And if, if you as an uncle wanted to, to help your niece or your nephew, you would give them a goat. And they take care of that goat... And believe it or not, goats multiply pretty quick, okay? And so as the goats multiply, that, that student now has a source of income that helps them to, to buy school supplies and to pay for their education fees. And they started off inviting the entire community. It didn't matter if you were Christian, Muslim, or animistic in belief. Anyone in the community, how many of you are willing to give one goat for the education of our children and 90 families gave 90 goats. That was a great start. That was about six years ago when they began the program. Today, they are funding 5,000 students in Benin. Praise God. Amen. You thought 5,000 was just stories from the past. No, God is still doing things in terms of 5,000 up to today. And God is bringing that community and as they, as they see the church there, there's also a real need for good drinking water. Imagine if that image that you see up there on your screen on the left side, imagine if that mud, pole, pole, mud puddle, kind of a pond, would be your source of water for everything that you wash your body, wash your clothes, even your drinking water is coming from this source. You can imagine the kinds of impact that has on a community and the diseases that the children, so many children die young because of waterborne diseases. But today, as we, as a church, many churches have funded a well. And for five or even $10,000, we can put in a well in that community. And suddenly, 4,000 people have access to fresh water for the first time. You can imagine what that does as a, as a community. 
and how it changes and how grateful that, that those people are for that new water and that fresh water. I know our teenagers and, and our young people, as kids as young as eight years old, your, your job every day is to take those containers and go and collect water and bring it home. Because if you don't, you won't have any water to drink. And in the midst of this area, God is not only... Uh, when, when, the, when the people of, of that area see that the church is caring, then they gave us land. And, and in the northern part of Benin, we got 100 hectares of land given to us. That's 200 plus uh, uh, acres of land. And the, the, the pastors in that area began to plant seeds. And, and, and this last year, just like everywhere in the world... It's hard to get food. All the prices are going up. And in those places where people only get one season a year, it only rains like uh, maybe two months out of the year. The rest of the year, nothing. It's dry all year round. And so you can imagine in those places, you only get one chance at a crop. And when that crop is, is harvested, then that's the food that you're going to eat for the entire next year. And we praise God that even in the midst of this difficult time of period of history that our church is is uh, harvesting right now they're harvesting 70 hectares of land of corn and rice that will supply not only 100 pastors in the northern part of Benin with food but it will also feed an entire community there praise God that's what we mean when we say that we are going to the other side, when we are called out of our, com out of our comfort and, and we're asked by the Lord to go and make a difference. And so we just pray that you would continue to pray for us as we see these northern places. There's still many places that need water, that need a well. There, there are groups that, of Jesus Film team players that are needing motorcycles. And I don't know what God is calling you to do, but if you want to be part of that mission, we're here to say there's opportunity for you to be involved. Let me share one last story with you from the, the area of Central Africa. Um, in the middle of, of Africa is one of those places that we, that we call like the, the Tarzan jungle of Africa, right? It is the solid canopy canopy forest it is thick jungle in fact when I was flying back almost 20 years ago I used to fly out to Kisangani and that was in the middle of that DRC the D Democratic Republic of the Congo and in those places I could fly sometimes two two and a half hours and I see nothing but solid canopy forest I figured if I ever went down in those places the leaves would have just gone whoosh, whoosh, and covered me up and no one would ever find me again and in those places yet, in those deep places, there are pastors like Reverend Zola Dieu Merci. Uh, he's uh, one of my best trainers and he's so compassionate and, and he's providing training and leadership. Even this week he's in Cameroon uh, training up pastors in Cameroon, part of the central field. And, and he would go into these very deep areas. In fact, there's a lot of places there there are no roads, okay? The only thing you can get there is a motorcycle. And even some places you can't get by a motorcycle. The only way is to jump in a boat and go up the river into to these areas on the Congo River. And because of the faithfulness, there are now churches all along the Congo River in some of the deepest parts of the central part of Africa because of the faithfulness of these pastors who are willing to go into these places and plant churches, even into the, the pygmies. There's a, a whole tribe of pygmies that are, that are kind of rejected. They're short in stature and, and they're a different type and they're a different people group and people are afraid of them. But the Church of the Nazarene has taken the word of God into that village and shown it and there are now churches among the pygmies in the central part of Africa and we praise God for that. You know, in some of those places you can imagine... Uh, it's pretty hard to reach. And so you say, well, Tim, how in the world do you communicate with those guys? Well, the crazy part about Africa is in some of these places where there is no running water, no electricity, almost everybody has a cell phone. <laughs> and I know that seems kind of crazy. How could that happen? But, but believe it or not, God, um, I don't know, you know, some places in Africa, I can be like 250 miles out in the middle of the desert and I have a better 3G network than I can get driving up the highway up here. And I'm wondering, what in the world is wrong? I spent two days in Indiana and couldn't communicate to anybody. I was like, 
send me back to Africa, you know. But technology is allowing us to do things that we never thought we could do before. Um, you can imagine that in some of these places, we are, we are, are not able to hand somebody the word of God in the, in the language that they speak. And even if we translate it into the local language, which some has happened, many of them cannot read because they were never taught to even read their own language. And so as we look at those areas and we say, how do we, how do we nurture and disciple and raise up leaders if, if they have no access to the word of God? And so we believe that God is helping us even with simple technology like this is what we call the torch because it's a flashlight. And uh, it's also a lantern, but the great part about it is it's also an audio Bible. Salma est le père de and so we can load it with any, any language that's out there. And this now becomes the person's Bible. You just turn it over. It has a solar panel on the back so you don't need any power. And the good part is it has a USB port. You know why that's good? Because you can plug your cell phone into it and it charges your cell phone. And so some of these pastors that are in the most remote areas uh, of, of the Congo and other places like that, they, they climb to a certain mountain and then they go, maybe even some of them climb a tree and they get just enough cell coverage that they can send a message on their phone to tell us what's happening in those remote areas. And I praise God because as I've, I've had opportunity to be in those places, like just a few weeks ago I was... Uh, able to go into Lubumbashi in the southern part is the second largest city in in that part of the the area and um, I had a chance to to um, jump on the back of a motorcycle and uh, they took me 40 kilometers outside of the city to go and see this new church plant I'm really getting to be older because riding on the back of a 125 that has potholes every thir three feet was a very painful experience for me as by the time I arrived there, covered in dust. But, you know, it was worth going because when we arrived and when we got there, there was this group of people that were in this partially built church. They had built it with the red mud dirt that they had made into bricks. It comes from the termites, uh, termite mounds. Uh, the termites make really good bricks. You know, we just take that and we, it makes it solid and they build the bricks. And, and so this church... Uh, there was about a hundred people in there, kids, women, adults, and they were all they were all singing praises in the local dialect and Swahili in their area. And as I approached uh, the pastor, his name is Felicion, and Felicion is is a guy who who has brought the church from their first the first church that they had was on these these are their pews under the tree, so. If you're complaining about the chairs, I'm, I'm not really listening to you, okay? So the, those were their chairs, and they were under a tree until the body grew, and then they began to say, let's build our own church, and they started the process. And we use a soccer ball called the Evangel Ball, and, and Pastor Felician began to, began to work with the young people, and he shared Christ, and they played football together. In fact, the, the village chief was so glad to have the church they they negotiated for some land and now they have four hectares of land that they are going to plant and all those children and everybody's involved in the church they're going to plant and when it harvests they'll have enough money to pay for their iron sheets that will put the roof on their church this is reverend celestine shishibanji and he's a passionate leader in the south of drc and every week i I get messages on, you know, one of the most uh, important aspects of technology is WhatsApp. So I get, I get WhatsApp messages from these guys all over the place where they, they're showing how God is impacting new places. And what made me so excited about this particular area was this was a fourth generation church. What do I mean by that? That means Pastor Celestine planted a church, raised up a leader and sent him and then he was planted the next church and that church planted another daughter church. And so today we have the fourth generation, Felicien, in, Felicien in, in that area now is the fourth generation church. And they're asking themselves, where are we going to plant our next church? Amen? That's what it means when we, when we get out of the boat and we get out of our comfort zone and that we go to the other side, the side that we don't understand, maybe the side that would reject us, 
And yet God is calling you and me to go to the other side. Amen? As I wrap up, I just want to let you know that that the Word of God is, is, is going in every way that we can. We try to find ways to help people disciple others. One of the things that we've started this last year, the last couple of years, is the, the story cloth. And this is just a scarf that we put stories of Jesus' life. And so as we teach the, 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 life, the stories of the life of Jesus, they memorize these stories in their local languages. And just with images, and we're able now, some of the women of the church in the northern part of Ghana, we have one pastor who gathers 40 women together on Saturday, and they learn a story, and then he sends them back to the village with their scarves. And they wear them. I won't put one on because I know I don't look good in this. But, um, and, they, and they take those stories, and they go, and they share it with others, and they come back with the testimony. Some of those ladies are so faithful that we've planted three churches and three new villages because they're willing to go and be the light of Christ in the neighborhood next to them. This is the verse I want to share with you today that as we leave this place and as we think about Thanksgiving, as we think about the mission that God has called us to, I want you to remember that Jesus is calling you to be the salt and light of this earth. Amen. And I like the way it's written in the message. It says, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Amen. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? Can I say that again? If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you'll end up in the garbage. Let me say it in a different way. Here's another way to put it. You're here to bring light, to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. If we're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. And if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I'm going to hide, I'm going to put you on a hilltop, on a light stand, and I'm going to tell you, shine, keep open house, be generous with your lives. Amen? Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Oh, we serve a generous Father in heaven, don't we? And sometimes we forget about that. We, we, we end up being people who want to be right. We end up people who want to tell people this is how it should be. And Jesus is telling us, you just need to be salt and light. And allow that godliness to come out from you. And it may mean that you have to cancel some of your programs some of the activities of your life in order to cross over to the other side of your street to meet your neighbor who's probably just like those people that were on the street that were on the edge of the lake they were lost like sheep without a shepherd and Jesus calling you and me to say you're on mission with me if you want to stay on mission with me then, then you have to be ready to go where I call you to go go just as you are he calls each one of us to make disciples and I don't know where you'll be tomorrow maybe you'll be in a, a boardroom or maybe you'll be in a workroom or maybe you'll be in a classroom whatever room God puts you in tomorrow he's placed you there for a reason he's placed you there in order for you to be just like Christelle in Cote d'Ivoire to be just like Reverend Moise in Benin to be just like Celestine Shishibanji or Nzola Dio Merci, who has given up of their times and they have mobilized and they inspired and they engaged this mission that God has called us to. Why? Because the question is, are you willing to share faith, love, and hope to a lost and dying world? And if you are, 
Let me just tell you that Jesus said, I will be with you. Do not be afraid. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry about how you're going to pay for it. Don't worry about anything but that the mission of God calls us to leave our place of comfort and to go to the other side. Can we pray together? Just bow your head where you are. Lord, we feel your presence this morning in this place, in this gathering pot. Lord, I don't know what you have said to the hearts of anyone who has heard my voice this morning, but Father, I pray that you will help us to get out of the comfort of the blessings of Christ and not just to enjoy all that we have. And oh, Father, we are so grateful for the blessings that you've given us. But Lord, may we be willing to sacrifice of our time that we might be generous with our lives, that we might find those on the other side. Oh, Lord, I know it's, it's not easy. It's messy. It, it requires patience. It requires only the type of power that you give us by your Holy Spirit to be salt and light in this world. Lord, I thank you for the mission of the Nazarene Church worldwide. Lord, I thank you for what you are doing in Africa. And it's not because of our strength. It's not because of our, our creative ideas. It's not because of our technology. Lord, no, it's because your spirit has raised up a group of people who are willing to go to the other side. And I just pray, Lord, will you keep us on mission? May you let us never forget that you are calling us and we'll give you all the praise for what you bring about. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I thank you for your time this morning and I, I hope that if you'd like to know more about our ministry that you'd come back and take one of our prayer requests. We have a, 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 a handout sheet that has some of the projects that we are working on. We'd love for you to take those. There's a few necklaces and a, a couple things there that we brought from Africa um, that if you want to take one of those and make a donation, that will help our youth program. Uh, we always have young people having challenges with education and other things. And so if you uh, want to make a donation there, we'd love for you to do that. And, and I hope that you as a congregation think about uh, your next trip to Africa. I, I don't know when it's going to be or where it's going to be, but I believe that God is calling us to be part of that. And don't worry about the money and don't worry about the times. Just believe that if God's calling you to do it, that he'll somehow get us together. And I look forward to seeing you somewhere in Africa in the next couple of years. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Let's stand together. In a moment, we're going to sing Great is the Lord. Um, thank you so much, Tim and Michelle. Thank you for your life given over to the kingdom of God. I'm going to, I'm going to ask them if they would go ahead and head out so we can um, um, have them out there and they can be ready at their table. We write them a check. We hand them a check, and they take that check. But the check's not in their name. The check's in the name of the Church of the Nazarene. That supplies their ministry. Um, and so that's what we do. We don't send any money to them. But I'm impressed today that if you're leaving here today and you wanted to give uh, a, a gift to the EBs, as they, they're trying to get home to be with their family, and they'll get there and all that. But if you wanted to do that, whatever cash we have today, we're just going to put it in an envelope and give to them. So here's the good news about that. Just do whatever the Lord would have you to do. And if you do that and I do that, we'll all be good. And we're just wanting to bless them a little bit today. But as we go from here today, do you remember? The church is the only institution in all of time that exists for the benefit of its non-members. We need to go to the other side. In Jesus' name.